to Cinebabble episode 19. Uh, I am your host, Ken, and this is my co-host as always, Clint. Clint, give a wave. An audible wave. Oh, 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 oh. Okay. I misinterpreted. Clint just sat there and waved at me. Very literal. That's okay. That's all right. Yeah. We are, we are uh, in the thick of coronavirus locked down Maryland. Schools are canceled. Buildings are being shut down. The governor's like, more than 250 people? Don't you dare. Uh, we're locked in the podcast studio. We can't leave. So. Getting a little serious, mm-hmm. uh, which is okay. I'm feeling a little symptomatic. So, are you? Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully that doesn't turn into something. We'll see. We'll see. Please tell me you're see, lying. Right here on this podcast, <laughs> I'm announcing we're going to die together. I guess <laughs> this is the end. Yup. Yep. So, uh, better be a good one. To I go would out on. <laughs> I would say in future weeks you can you can look forward to some increased what you watching about segments because. <laughs> Uh, there's going to be a little bit more time spent at home mm-hmm. uh, in the. In this the might be done studios. over Skype from our houses. <laughs> you know, we live 15 I, minutes away. I don't know. I think we'll just come here and cough together. <laughs> I think uh, if one of us gets it, we're already both we're doomed. We might want to invest in some cough buttons so the <laughs> audience doesn't leave. <laughs> Perfect. Well, what you watching about this week, Clint? Ken, I have. Two quick things. Okay. Um, I recently, there is a new series that just started that's on FX um, that, well, Hulu and FX kind of partnered up. Mm-hmm. So there's a new series called Devs. Oh, yes, I saw that this. I started um, by Alex Garland, who okay. did Ex Machina and Annihilation, which I was a giant fan of both mm-hmm. of those. And um, has Nick's, uh, Nick Offerman and uh, the actress named Sonia Mizuno. Parks and Rec, Nick Offerman. Yes. I mean, not like there's another Nick Offerman. Yes, Ron Swanson himself. I was surprised. Okay, I didn't know he was in that. Yeah, in a very interesting, um, long-haired, blondish, balding wig. It's very weird. Okay. But he's very good in it. Um, What's the the basic premise of it? It follows Sonia um, out. What's her name? Oh, Mizuno. She plays a computer programmer Mm -hmm. at this big tech company, and her boyfriend dies or goes missing and disappears and she believes that there's like this um this uh division of the company that's like a secret top secret part and she thinks that maybe they were involved in some way so it's about the mystery of that and her trying to figure out what exactly is going on how many episodes is this first season three they uh, aired the first two and the last one the third one aired last night and it's three and done for this first season or it just they're releasing it just started yeah they're doing like handmaid's tale where it's like week to week okay and yeah it's it's good um (laughs) there's something about it that mixed with my chemical makeup instantly makes me fall asleep. <laughs> and I'm not saying it's bad in any way. Like the yeah. show, the show's good. Um, it's just something about the, the, how it's paced and the music and the performances. It just lulls me to sleep. Okay. And I don't I think, think it's boring. It's interesting. It's Alex Garland and he's doing interesting things and everyone's good. It's just pure melatonin. It's yes. Okay. And so I have to start the episode every single one I've had to start like four or five times. But it's good and I'm okay. looking forward to seeing where it goes. Yeah, I had added it to my queue. I'll have to check it out this week. Yeah. It's All worth right. checking out. All right. Hopefully it I mean continues to be good. We'll find out if it's something far more nefarious if I keep falling asleep too. <laughs> then it's some Alex scheme. Garland's bordering on mind control. Yeah. He's just he's got it figured out Watchman style. <laughs> <laughs> also, Jenny and I we just finished watching the 
final season of Baskets, <gasps> the Zach Galifianakis show, mm-hmm. um, starring him, who plays two characters, mm-hmm. Chip and Dale. And uh, Louis Anderson, who plays his mom, Mrs. Baskets. And I've loved this show from the beginning. And I've, uh, it's one that me and Jenny can just come together and put on and both laugh. And it's a very sweet show and surprisingly sweet. And I think Louis Anderson, really, it's one of the best performances I've seen in so many years. He's amazing. You totally forget that. It's Louis Anderson playing this woman, this <laughs> um, elderly woman. He's amazing. And um, yeah, I, I didn't realize it got canceled. So by the end, I looked up to see when the next season was coming out. And I was very disappointed to see that, oh, it's it's done. But it luckily, it has a really good resolution. And okay. it wraps up in a in a satisfying way. Okay. And that's that's hard for a sitcom to hit. Yeah. Uh, or any you know comedy. I don't know if I would call that necessarily a sitcom. But it, yeah, it's, it's hard, hard for it to kind of land that ending. Uh, there's a couple of shows that have. I was always really pleased with Parks and Rec. Mm. Like I mentioned the other week, I was really happy with the, the Good Place ending. Yeah, I haven't so, finished that one. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I'm wondering if they had known if that it was going to possibly end. So they kind of wrapped up some main storyline kind of things and just character arcs. Um, but I, I was satisfied with it, even though I'm mm-hmm. sad it won't be back. Okay. Yeah, but that's all I had. Okay. What you been watching about? I finished a couple of series. I finished McMillions on HBO. And that's uh-huh. the six-part documentary about the, the McDonald's scandal with the Monopoly game, where, surprise, there were no actual winners yeah. for quite a few years. Mm-hmm. Just finished the last episode, and uh, it was it was probably a documentary series that could have been done in a much tighter four episodes. Yeah. Took a little too much time um, with some of the individual people involved. Mm-hmm. But the last episode was great, and uh, they they managed to kind of come up with a couple of revelations that weren't really known in the story. There were some unknowns in that, uh, particularly who uh, had first informed the FBI Mm. that had never been revealed. And in the last episode, they actually kind of give you a full picture of the story, which was nice. I was really thinking they had drawn that out so much. I either thought they are definitely going to tell you who it was because they know or it's just going to end on this giant cliffhanger mystery and they still don't know and that's going to drive me nuts. <laughs> um, well, that's what happens with a lot of those shows yeah. because it's true life and you can't right. really write it to be yeah. a satisfactory ending. And and that's where it's it's so neatly wrapped up. It mm-hmm. almost feels manufactured. Right. But it's true. Yeah. Uh, it just it's it's one more dot on this crazy crazy story. Mm-hmm. Um that uh, is somehow crazier than everything that came before it <laughs> because it's it's such a it's just not at all what you would expect it to be. Hmm. And it kind of, in a way, recontextualizes the entire event and makes it uh, a little bit more interesting and personal for the people that are involved. Hmm. Uh, not to go into it too much more than that, but it was it was worth watching. Yeah. Uh, and then, did you give up on The Outsider or did I, you finish? No, I gave up on it. You gave up on I it. I mean to return to it, but every week it is airing and I'm like, oh, I'll catch it, catch it next week. Okay. But I haven't. I finished it. The finale... Uh, came and went, mm-hmm. and I mean that in in the worst way. It came <laughs> and it went, uh-huh. and there were a few good things in the finale mm-hmm. that were better than the very draggy four episodes before that. Yeah, uh, it things actually happened. Oh, okay. Gasp! Uh, but it still it just it didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. It really it expanded the novel in all the wrong places. Uh, when it could have really just been a, a, a tight, smaller episode count thriller. Yeah. Um, 
I, I think they just danced around every mystery so long. Every mystery became obvious. Mm. And so it became less interesting to me. And it was, I, I still appreciate the cast, uh, but the writing just continued to go off the rails for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was where, one where I felt like I was a little bit ahead of it the entire mm-hmm. time. So I just kept waiting for it. Yeah. And that's not to like toot my own horn because I don't never feel that way. But it was just like I was getting bored with it. It's apparently one of their most popular series in the I last saw couple that. of years. It, yeah. it did better than Watchmen. It did mm-hmm. better than a couple of uh, higher profile shows that have come out. And good for it. Good for Jason Bateman. And yeah. uh, I but, really liked him in it. And mm-hmm. once he was gone. Yeah. I felt his absence the entire time. Well, and they made so many changes to the to the text. I don't understand why they went in that direction. Mm. They could have really kept that character there and and strung him throughout that story and made him uh, kind of a, a fixture in there mm-hmm. without it really feeling like a loss. In the book, when Terry dies early on, you're just kind of like, oh, okay, it's tragic, but this is what spins this detective into the story. I think Jason Bateman made Terry so interesting and yeah, empathetic. Especially in two episodes. Yep. That's pretty amazing. That you really just feel that absence mm-hmm. afterwards. Uh, so it's it's probably worth watching. But honestly, yeah. don't waste your time getting to that episode. Just watch the finale. Oh. <laughs> it, I, I still feel like from episode four to the finale, nothing really happened yeah. that you wouldn't into it right from the beginning of the finale. Hmm. Um, and... In a lot of interesting ways, it it felt a lot like a, a key scene in Doctor Sleep, okay. which there were similarities in the between the two books, not intentionally, but not to the degree, to, uh, excuse me, to the degree that this feels like. You really feel that similarity, yeah. Uh, when you see the way they've staged it and shot it, and how they brought it all together, uh, it just I don't know. Mm-hmm. It was it was kind of a disappointment. So. I, uh, I kind of wish I had saved that eight nine hours of my life because I was really <laughs> excited going into that. Yeah. I didn't hate it. It was just I got to a point where I wasn't missing it like uh, every week when it would pop up. Yeah. And a lot of other things re- like recently came out on yeah. like Netflix and Hulu. So I just yeah. been putting my time other places. Right. Yeah. Right. This weekend, I do plan on going to see The Invisible Man again. Uh, oh, really? Yep. I'm going to give it another shot. Oh. Uh, you, our Our review and your argument really <laughs> just kind of... Spun me right round, so mm. I'm gonna. You're gonna come back and curse me right back in, and you're either gonna have wasted my money or I'm gonna come back apologizing. <laughs> so I'm, I don't know. I'm I will to not it. take responsibility I for was, that. I was kind of shocked. You were, you were very animated, and you really could feel your passion in that fight. <laughs> I thought I would have kind of that equal but opposite passion. Yeah. And like as as our discussion went on, I could just feel myself just. Like I stopped, I stopped feeling it, and <laughs> I started to be more. It was like I was a listener listening to you, and like, oh, this sounds like a good movie. I need to go watch the <laughs> it movie. It was a good movie. Yeah. yeah. So we have a little bit of a mailbag this week. Uh, actually, kind of a lot of a mailbag this week. You wanna, you wanna dive right in? Send it to receiver. Let's open up the mailbag. Sure. I'm I excited about this. Friendly. One. <laughs> it's it's very friendly. Uh, still haven't gotten that angry email. Not oh. not inviting it. Not saying, mm-hmm. hey kids, we haven't gotten one. So hurry up and send it. Um, but uh, this is a good one. So Alrighty. the first one comes from Alan from Colorado, and I think Alan from Colorado thinks we're a little more important than we are. We are not important. <laughs> In no way. Do you guys do commission reviews? Take requests. I'd love to send you a list of a few movies. I'd really enjoy hearing you both discuss. Sure, shoot him over, but we are nobody. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you have a movie and you're yeah. just dying to know uh, what we think about it, and man, if that in any way makes your day, we're more yeah. than happy to watch or revisit some random flick. For sure, we're always looking for ideas, but always, always. we are low on this totem pole. <laughs> Uh, then uh, Shannon from Oregon writes, and and this is possibly, this brought more joy to me than almost anything else. Birth uh, of your child? That, no, 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 no. That came into the oh, oh, the Cinebabble okay. email box. Okay. The inbox. I was taking it like, no, no, wow. No, not life-changing. Oh, oh, oh okay. Uh, sorry, Shannon. <laughs> Shannon. Shannon from Oregon writes, Cinebabble should release a Cinetron 3000 app. I want Cinetron on my phone, recommending bizarre movies I have no choice but to obey and watch. <laughs> All hail Cinetron. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah. And I wish I was more tech savvy. I would totally uh, admit too. that. That would be so much fun. And it would, it would, I would imagine, take next to nothing. Yeah. Can I give a little tip for that, maybe? Sure. What, <laughs> not to like tear down this wall that Fourth wall. Yeah, yeah it's coming wall. down. Just find an app on like, in the app store that's for like a, they have so many just spinning wheel you can just load it up with whatever you want randomizer One, apps yeah randomizer apps once a week spin that bad boy and you'll get a random movie that you have to and just you obey it like yeah. Cinetron. just just obey it and you can come I, up with your own name for it yeah I, i've thoroughly enjoyed doing that because it has it's been for, so much fun for, forced us to watch these movies that yeah. we might put off or okay. yeah it's great and it gives another level even when it's a bad movie it's a whole other yeah, a uh, whole other level to it. And so uh, by all means, uh, make your own and let us know what you spun and what you thought of that movie. That'll be fun. If we ever and, get the uh, ability to make one, sure. we will. <laughs> if there is somebody out there with loads of free time on their hands and they want to make us a Cinetron 3000 app, I would be more than happy to load that thing on the app store. Uh, but uh, that is just not in our wheelhouse. Just, yeah, just steal the code from some other app and slap the yeah. Cinetron 2000 on it. I just love all hail Cinetron. <laughs> <laughs> Shannon from Oregon starting a cult. Uh, Cal from New York says, Backgrounds, tell us more about Clinton Ken. Were you reviewers before Cinebabble? You mentioned the East Coast. I would have sworn you lived in L.A. with as much film knowledge as you're drowning in. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it makes me feel good that you think that we're doing something <laughs> that sounds professional, but yeah, yeah. yeah we're, we're just two lowly movie fans. Ken has experience reading I, movies. I've got a little bit. I I wrote a little for, bit. Uh, <laughs> trying to be humble here, Clint. <laughs> I uh, I wrote for High Def Digest way back in the day, and then Blu-ray.com came along and scooped me up, and I wrote at Blu-ray.com for years and years and years, uh, several hundred, if not thousand, reviews. And at one point, I got a little crazy and decided to go and add up all my word counts. Just how many <laughs> words have I written about film? Yeah. And it was in the millions, the literal millions. And I don't know if that made me proud or sad, mm -hmm. but I was like, okay, that's that's something. That's something yeah. I felt I felt kind of good about that. Uh, I and, still I still contribute there from time to time. I uh, I'm always popping up when they do their best of the year lists. Uh, I put those together and and still contribute for that, but I don't regularly review for them anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I think we just have too much time on our hands. We watch a lot of films, talk yep. about a lot of films. I would occasionally like add 
to your um, reviews a one-sentence like yep. sum up of my impression. Anything you've ever <laughs> read in one of my reviews that is gold, I almost guarantee it came from Clint. Because there were times we'd be talking about a movie and he would say something and I would just say, I, I'm stealing that. I'm typing that in right now. I guess I'm good at being like succinct. I can get to the point of it and that's all. You did a lot of my, <laughs> my uh, what are those called? The little sublines under the, the title. Um, yeah, like the, the header. Whatever that uh, yeah. is, the header, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you wrote a lot of those, uh, particularly the funny ones. Uh, if you ever laughed at something I put at the very top of a review, you actually laughed at Clint Jones. So, but yeah, we're, for that check. We, uh, we have for many, many years just sat around and talked about movies and watched way too many movies and way too many TV series. And one day we just thought, oh, there's this podcast thing. It's completely new. Nobody's doing it. Why don't we do it? <laughs> yeah, we got in on the ground floor. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, we got, we got to the game a little late. Yeah. There are times where I wish we would have... Uh, gotten it in our minds to start this years and years ago, but we probably wouldn't have stuck with it then. Yeah. So that's true. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, a little bit of background and, uh, we'll do some more throughout. We have some fun things planned for that. We do. We have a little meet the babblers segment coming in future weeks Mm -hmm. uh, that we're going to have some fun with. Delane from Vancouver says, any chance you'll start a scoring system for movies you review? Easier to boil it down with a score. Even Cisco and Ebert had thumbs. (laughs) Fun fact about us, neither of us have thumbs. (laughs) Completely, (laughs) we're we're non-opposable creatures. mm -hmm. uh, That's what drew us together. Like, you don't have thumbs? Yeah, me either. (laughs) Uh, I... Because I was at Blu-ray.com, everything was a score. Yeah. I always had to score things. We had a you know one to five scale. We could do half step increments, do four and a half, three and a half. Uh, so scores were kind of in my blood. But I believe you're not a big fan of slapping a number on something. Am I wrong there? Yeah, it's not my in my like a natural tendency. I did mention doing the the good, the bad, and the shrugly. <laughs> Yeah. At one point. Yeah, we forgot about that. Yeah. We forgot about the good, the bad, the short Maybe we can think of something else like that. Maybe, Maybe. not a number system, but yeah. like something funny. Uh, yeah, I'm I don't know. I scored so much, I just I kind of lost my flavor for it because there was just a lot of times you would get to a movie and putting a three on it out of five conveys something to one person that's very different from yeah. the other person. It's just this very vague number. Yeah. And it, it doesn't quite always work to convey what you're trying to say. I, I could completely enjoy a movie, but recognize that it's not a great film, and so mm-hmm. that's a three, but I loved it. Right. I loved watching it. Yeah. So it got a little complicated. Yeah, and I kind of liked seeing this as like a conversation rather yeah. than a real set-in-stone review that we're... Yep. So, I don't know. This is you joining us in, you know, as yeah. if this was our living room. Mm-hmm. Just, I don't, that's what we wanted, so... Uh, Maddie from... <laughs> she just says, North of the Equator... Uh, wherever there's a couple of places north of the equator, so that narrows it down. Yeah, she says, um, and I can't tell if I should read this angrily oh. or or happily. It's six underground, not underground six. Ken, it's <laughs> one of the most fun, terrible action movies I've seen. Uh, can't wait to hear you toss it in the blender, but get the title right. <laughs> I kept doing that too. Yep, it's yeah. just like an. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and when we get to it, there are actually seven people. Yeah. And I get why they mm-hmm. knock it down to six, but there's seven characters mm-hmm. on this team in, right. in one way or another. And so it really should be Underground Seven or Seven Underground or whatever you want to do. I understand in the movie why they did that yeah. because it was kind of like paying respect to, not to get into it yet, but 
Yeah, I just, <laughs> I think I was the one calling it Underground 6. I just couldn't, I don't know. I, I think I started it way back when it was first in a What You Watch. Oh, about. okay. I remember calling it, it Underground 6. It just makes more six. sense. It does. Yeah. It does. And so, yeah, you'll notice uh, because we do that kind of conversational recording style, we try to get things right. But uh, 80 of you could write in every week with probably 80 different errors just because when you're flying along and you're talking, uh, you just buzz right past something. And we take some pretty good notes. We try to get things right. Yeah. Uh, but Yeah, uh, I remember <laughs> kicking myself after saying Jimmy Stewart was in North by Northwest, <laughs> like w- walking out your door after doing it. I'm like, man, I'm an idiot. That's not <laughs> Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. So we'll continue to work yeah. on that. I promise. Uh, the rest of the time, I'll, I'll work really hard Feel to call it to six underground. Yeah. Uh, Dylan from Tennessee uh, wrote us quite a bit. Uh, he said, after being ushered into the cage of Aquarius in episode 18, <laughs> I wanted to offer a few thoughts. First off, I really appreciate the spotlight on, is it Carell Zeman? Zeman? Mm-hmm. Carl. Carl. I think, I believe so. I might... Carl Zeman? Zeman. Zeman? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I didn't look that up ahead of time. See, I've already failed my mm. six underground pledge there to be it's... more accurate. Check. So, yeah. Well, Dylan says, I was very close to picking up this new set during the Criterion Flash sale, but I opted to go for a few other titles I knew I needed sooner. Got to have Last Temptation of Christ for Easter. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, I really appreciate the time both of you take to delve into smaller scale films that probably need the attention. Regarding the full-blown Cage of Enlightenment, it really tickles me to no end that, of course, Clint got the worst of the two movies (laughs) and Ken actually enjoyed his. Cinetron is a fickle mistress. <laughs> All hail Cinetron, and Cinetron is a fickle mistress. I think what's happening here is we're being supplanted uh, by our own creation. Yeah. Do you think we should, to keep it happy, end the that segment with All hail Cinetron, so we <laughs> keep our lives? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dylan says, the idea of Primal Chain delights me, spreading this awful movie across the country and the world. I think we should send this to Dylan. Yeah. I have Dylan's address. I think Do we it. should send Primal to Dylan. And He's Dylan, gotta kill you got to write back. Yeah. You got you to gotta Primal Chain this. Mm-hmm. After you watch it, send it to somebody else. Have them send in impressions. And we'll just we'll keep collecting <laughs> Primal reviews. <laughs> uh, he says, most of my favorite Nick Cage movies have been mentioned on the podcast at one point or another. But I did want to give a special shout out to his voice work in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, yeah. As Spider-Man Noir and Teen Titans Go. Uh, as a Scorsese completist, I am very much looking forward to finally getting around to bringing out the dead. Do you remember that movie? I do, yeah. Did you enjoy that movie? I think I did at the time, but it's been a long okay. time. So. I watched it once, and I yeah. remember thinking it was just too frenetic and, and chaotic, and I I remember not enjoying it. I remember yeah. recognizing it's a well-made movie, uh-huh. but I don't think I enjoyed it very much. Maybe we should do that at some point. Maybe. Uh, he says, finally, and to get away from Cage completely, I wanted to recommend a few movies that I would love to hear you both dive deep on in a future episode. All right, so Commission Podcast, there you go. Uh, he says, my favorite movie of 2019 was Waves. Have you seen Waves? I haven't, um, but I, it's one I've heard a lot about that is supposed to be really good. Okay. Yeah. I really need to hear your thoughts on it. I recently listened to your Best of the Decade episode and hearing how you both describe certain movies and how much they move you made me think of how much I or how I felt after watching Waves. If you already watched it and didn't care for it, it might slightly break my heart, but I would still like to hear your thoughts. You want to you want to watch Waves next week? Um possibly. Possibly? I mean, it depends right. on what Cinetron has in store for That's us. That's true. All right, yeah. well we'll consider Waves for next week or maybe the week after. Yeah, we'll do it at some point. I haven't even seen a trailer really? for it. I think it's about like a African-American family who's I think dealing with a loss in the family or something. I can't remember exactly, but it looked good from the trailer. 
Okay. The other one he recommends is, after hearing how much you love the art of self-defense, I'd love to hear you both discuss Damsel. Do you know what that is? I think that's on um, the Cenotron wheel. Is it? Yeah. Okay. All right. So we'll see if that pops up on Cenotron. And he just says, sorry for the lengthy email. You guys are doing some great work on the podcast. Thank you, Dylan. Uh, Last one. This is John from Pennsylvania. Uh, Hi, Clint and Ken. Uh, Right off the rip, I will say I really enjoy the podcast. I have a 90-mile round-trip commute to work daily, and podcasts are my go-to. Cinebabble is firmly in my rotation. What's your commute? Well, I did for a year and a half. That's right. And it was was a killer. Did podcasts keep you alive? They did, yeah. Okay. Uh, He likes the organic conversation. He says nothing feels forced. The feeling I get when I listen is as if I'm in a conversation with some of my film-loving friends. He's getting it. See, he gets it. Gets it. Uh, But I do feel like I want to, which is a cool feeling. Many times, especially during What You Watching, I audibly agree or feel the urge to chime in. I really like the authentic feel of the podcast. Uh, He says, as a collector by nature, I find it very interesting to learn about which films are selected by certain smaller studios, the remastering process, why certain films will or won't be available for release. I love any and all discussion about physical media. Clint and I love physical media. Mm -hmm. We have not gone digital, and I I don't know that I ever will. I think that's going to be my old man flag on the hill. I, I like digital just for the sheer fact of finding a lot of things. And then the things that really like stick with me, I go out and buy. Yeah. Like it's rather than having to just buy everything, and like I, which I used to do. Yeah. It gets me to be a little more selective and have my collection what I really, really love. Yeah. Yeah. I have just kind of a, a wall of movies. And, and there's something about being able to walk over and, and just peruse and pick a movie when mm-hmm. you're in a certain mood and mm-hmm. or revisit a film. Uh, or especially when you get to lend it out to people or yeah. talk about it, that's all. I mean, that's how I saw most of my films coming up was from you lending them out to me. Yeah. You were my tastemaker, Jen. Oh, wow. You were my tastemaker. Man, I've never been called a tastemaker. <laughs> almost feels you like, like a tastemaker. A, <laughs> <laughs> you sound like a, you sound like a, like a fine wine. I, I do. Yeah. I'm a tastemaker. Mm-hmm. This is... This is master, master podcasting here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks to everybody who wrote in. Uh, we won't take quite as much time uh, to go through mail each week. Um, we'll kind of skip around and, and just try to highlight some thoughts. But as always, you can visit us at www.cinebabblecast.com and send us an email at contact at cinebabblecast.com. And you can find us a little bit everywhere. We're on Twitter now. We're on uh, Instagram and Facebook and Shoot us a message wherever, wherever the uh, yeah. the internets take you. Uh, there you'll find us waiting for you <laughs> in the wind. The arms open wide. Hello, dear friend. Join our conversation. <laughs> Very nice to meet you. We have a couch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we have three wildly different movies mm-hmm. to talk about tonight. Tonight we're talking about Queen and Slim, Come to Daddy, and Six Underground. And we're going to start with Queen and Slim. Uh, Clint... Uh, Queen and Slim is about two Bonnie and Clyde type individuals, yeah. uh, though they inadvertently get sent on a crime spree after uh, a horrible situation ends with them killing a police officer. Uh, they go on a cross-country trek. They're trying to stay one step out of the law, and uh, a little bit of a kind of a, a legend status starts to follow them. Uh, Clint, what did you think of Queen and Slim? I thought it was really good. Um, I will uh, fight you a little bit on that it was a cross-country um, crime spree because it really wasn't. Yeah, the crime spree is not – you're right. You're it right. It begins with a crime. It begins with a crime and, and then they flee. Yeah. And that's where it's different than Bonnie and Claude. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'll, I'll definitely concede that point. 
and kind of going back to that, I I did really enjoy it, and I um, was really into the performances. But I was totally expecting more of a crime spree mm-hmm. scenario where like they get pulled into this underworld and they kind of uh, can't get out of it, and yeah. just leads to this um, tragic end. But I was really surprised by how it just being mainly this character study and about these people coming together and finding each other through this horrible scenario, um, which caught me off guard. Um, But yeah, I I thought it was it was good. What did you think about it? I also thought it was good. I had a few problems I'll talk about here in a little bit. Yeah. Uh, when we get to more of a, a spoiler section, but just overall, I, I was pretty impressed with it. Mm-hmm. I, I liked the moments that it restrained itself. Uh, you could feel it really tugging against implausibility yeah. and trying to elevate itself into this almost mythic tale. Uh, those moments bothered me. I liked those moments. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll talk about that a okay. little more. But I, I liked more when it stayed grounded, mm. when it was just kind of the human moments between Queen and Slim or when they're encountering different people along their trip. Uh, I like those little character interplays. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm not sure. I understand the basic plot. I followed the story. I'm not sure I was particularly fond of its message overall i thought that got a little muddled in its desire to be very extreme in its approach uh and i I felt like it lost some nuance there at the same time because it was trying to hit those more mythic notes uh, i think it was going for more of a i mean borderline fantasy Mm -hmm. telling of of the situation and so i i forgave it on a lot of that i thought the performances were great uh daniel kalua as Slim and Jody Turner Smith as Queen, uh, they were excellent. I I found it particularly interesting that their relationship isn't developed when they start. They've essentially just met each other. Yeah, it was their first date. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I really like that approach because at yeah. first she's fairly unlikable. I I did not. Oh, I didn't feel appreciate that. Appreciate her company. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't have that. Feeling, really? Yeah. Okay. I I felt like she was abrasive. And brash. And later on, there's a line where she says there wouldn't have been a second date. Mm-hmm. Then it suddenly made sense. She was not interested in him. I picked so up on that from the beginning. I so did too, I, but yeah. I thought some of that was just her personality okay. and the kind of person she was. I, I didn't get that it was kind of a cold edge towards him. Mm. Um, and so I think on a second watch, that wouldn't bother me at all. Oh, okay. How did you feel about their relationship? I really, I, I that was the strongest part of it for me. Mm-hmm. The relationship, especially picking up from the beginning, that there really wouldn't be a second date, and that mm-hmm. she's not very interested. Especially how she kind of turns him down for coming inside. So I was like, oh, okay, this is just like a one dinner kind of thing. And then them getting wrapped into this situation, and seeing that relationship slowly progress throughout, I thought that was really well done and it was very natural feeling, especially, Mm -hmm. I don't know, just I thought, especially from how she was reacting to it and how, I don't know, apprehensive they were about her, like her being with him, like like how she felt about him. So um, yeah, I like that part. I think the thing that I was mostly, I don't know if I was wanting more from is actually the message of the film Mm -hmm. because I was expecting it more to be about like the relationship between um, like African-American people and the police and and um, that wasn't other than the beginning there's there's not a lot about that and I was expecting it to go deeper especially with her 
background as a lawyer. And I and when they set that up, I thought that was really interesting. And then they didn't really do anything with that. Well, let's go ahead and just open it up and, and kind of jump right in with spoilers. So if you, if you haven't seen Queen and Slim, now's the time to check out. Check the show notes and join us at Come to Daddy. That's a weird sentence. But... <laughs> <laughs> Didn't realize it till it was coming out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, just catch back up with us there. Uh, so, so here's my my first real big problem with the movie uh, was that it was it was such a it was such a one sided glimpse at a very real and difficult uh, reality yeah. in today's world that it almost felt cartoonish to me. Mm. Uh, in that, anytime you get the police. Uh, even down, especially to the end, when there's just this fleet of 20, 25 police officers, all with guns drawn. Uh, the the white officers are very dim, dismissive, uh, brutal. There's there's just a lot there. And then the African-American officers are very uh, forgiving. They let them go at different times. And I, I could not get a bead on... What was trying to be said there? I think what they were saying with that is they, they, uh, from the beginning, they, so it was so publicized, mm-hmm. they understood what actually happened yeah. from seeing that footage. So I think they, I could understand they were kind of on their side and they, but I, I can see what you mean. And, and I, mean, I followed, I followed that. And that's why if it had been a crime spree, I would have understand the aggressiveness. By the time they get to the house with uh, the the two characters, they're being played by Chloe Sevigny. But it was and Flea. Su- yeah, but it was such like a they're full SWAT team charging in there. Yeah, but I can understand that because it they killed a cop, and they Grant don't you. they don't take that lightly. Grant you, but even from the video, which is widely pu- publicized on YouTube, it's not a uh, a premeditated. You know, these are criminals. I I just the whole time I'm thinking you watch the video. These are people without criminal records. They haven't committed any other crimes. But man, the manhunt is is at insane levels to the point that not to jump right to the end. But that was the part that bothered me the most is not that she gets shot because uh, it they they made very much a point of here's one police officer that jumps and gets scared and that's certainly happened that's very plausible but then he picks up her body and he's walking forward and they're telling him to stop he won't stop and then 15 or 20 of them just unload on him Mm -hmm. when he's clearly not armed he's clearly not being aggressive he's walking towards them with a dead body i think those kind of things have already happened in the news so many times see and, and my wife said the same thing but at that level where in broad daylight somebody just carrying a body I is going to get shot. I think they could still justify it, okay. especially with the manhunt that they had to do and the cross county lines and state lines and all that. I think I didn't. That didn't bother me. I, I think, I don't know. I, I believe that part of it. And I guess that's where just with some different staging. If that would have been at night, would have bought it. If that would have been just one patrol car with two or three cops would have bought it if it would have been you know there are just certain things but it kept elevating in uh, in in its approach and, and i think just and that might have been feeling like it was almost implausible and that might have been the point of it though because it's just maybe making a commentary on that whole situation mm-hmm. like it, it has progressed like in in the news it's just it was so common for a while and like i mean still is but like 
they could maybe their point is like it's saying this it could get to this point it could like this could maybe be a reality we could live in where i don't know cops killed and 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 any costs we're gonna they would go for killing these and i guess looking at from that perspective that's like what we've talked about with handmaid's tale where it's it's a very hyper yeah, because it does have that feel to it. Version of, a kind of reality. Of a, it has, a, but, like you said, a mythical feel to mm-hmm. it, and especially with the ant, like that photograph they take, and it's got that, mm-hmm. like they become icons. Yeah. And, and that's the what martyrs. The, yeah. the martyrs, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Uh, that I believe. I just, I was expecting a little bit more from the backstory of her being a lawyer and going mm-hmm. into that. And, um, but, I was I was really wrapped up in their kind of love story, and I thought that was really well done. I think I didn't really need the um, the riot in the middle with the, with the boy the shooting boy, the police yeah, officer. That was um, I don't know. That was another one where I didn't mind that conceptually. I yeah. minded its execution. Yeah, it it didn't feel as impulsive as I think it was meant to with him. It if it wasn't. was like a itchy trigger trigger yeah. finger kind of thing, and he didn't t- like. He was prepared to be going into the situation, and then like he realizes the reality of the situation, and then he accidentally does like yeah. maybe, but he was just it was just full on like I'm going to kill this cop. Yeah. yeah. If it had been more almost a mirror of what had happened earlier on, right. if the cop had been attacking him. Yeah. And he just very defensively grabbed the gun and fired. That would have worked for me in that moment. Yeah. It you know still clearly would have been him committing a crime, but it it. It muddles it in the right way, where it's it's giving you that mm-hmm. there, there's there's a gray, there's a gray area yeah. here that doesn't quite work uh, to one absolute or another. The other thing that I didn't really care for was the relationship between her and her uncle, mm-hmm. um, and that backstory that they had, where she got his uh, him off for killing her mother, yeah. and that just seemed a little um, confusing to me, like. I just couldn't wrap my head around the links she went to to get him off her explanation for that. Yeah, and I I kind of felt that with a lot of the uh, miniature storylines that would send them off to the next yeah. kind of safe house or, or set of characters that mm-hmm. would take them in. Uh, that was always, I felt, the weakest. When it was at the strongest, when it was its most organic, was when they go to the car mechanic. Yeah. They need their car fixed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he offers a different perspective. He's still willing to shelter them and and not but for a price. Not call like, them. He's, you're going to have to pay for me to right. fix your car. I'm he's not, not going to call yeah. the police. At the same time, he openly says, "I don't agree with this. I'm not just going to do this to you for free. Right? You're going to pay for this." Mm-hmm. Uh, that was very interesting, and and um, that also felt much more natural than when you know they go to the shepherd's house, and it's just this weirdly almost horror movie style serial killer white family i know it's not doing that at all but there's such a strange i was so like thrown off by it being flea yeah Yeah. (laughs) and i was like oh it's flea yeah and he's like playing this button-down guy and i just could not take him seriously um, also, I thought it was funny that Sturgill Simpson plays the cop at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, is that Sturgill Simpson? And then, yeah, it was. It was I, For me, and it was just little things, when they're hiding out the shepherds, there's a tiny little crawl space yeah. under the bed. Yeah. No, Who has a tiny little crawl space under their master bedroom? Yeah. It was a strange choice. Well, who were they exactly? Because they were connected to her uncle, who is this 
pimp, yeah. basically. And so I think that maybe Flea, they ha- he had a history or some sort. Especially, That's his Han Solo compartment. Yeah, like there, yeah. he had, hid drugs under there or something. So I think I feel like that might have been that, okay. but it's just that. And I may have just missed a line. Maybe he in that exchange where he's telling them to hide, he tells them that there's a hiding space under there. I don't know. He does tell them there's a space under there. It just. I heard him say under the bed upstairs, but I didn't hear him say there's no. a space underneath the bed upstairs. And don't get me wrong, I I enjoyed the movie. Yeah, uh, it was it was very good. Mm-hmm. Um, it was. It was interesting. It was one of those movies that made me feel like my dad. My dad would always kind of nitpick little yeah. character decisions or plot points, and he just couldn't get past those. And I was really, the whole time, why are we stopping on the side of the road to look at a horse? <laughs> well, now we're riding the horse? Who rides the well, horse? Well, I mean, it, we... it's because it's like a romance, yeah. really. And it's yeah. just, it feels like a romantic thing to do. You're, you are fleeing, but you're also like forming this relationship. So that kind of stuff didn't bother me. And I got it. You know, I, I understood man. that. It was, yeah, it just, it really made me feel like an old man. Yeah. Uh, but but I appreciated it. I appreciated what it was uh, working to say. And I, I liked how it was approaching the material. Um, I, I suspect it's not going to change anybody's mind. I think uh, it's, it's not the kind of movie that delves into the issue as we face it in a way that's that's going to bring somebody around and make somebody realize like man i just some of these thoughts that i've been having are are kind of racist and i feel foolish now i i don't see kind of a a super uh right-wing uh white guy watching this movie and saying now i understand the black experience Hmm. um do you think it would change minds I don't know about that, but I feel like it is very humanizing in you, that side of it, though. Definitely that. Um, and I think that can be a powerful thing. Yeah, I yeah. definitely agree with that. I just, I, I didn't get the sense that it, it felt like a message movie where uh, if you already agree with the message that it's going towards, you're going to enjoy the movie. And if you don't agree with it, you're going to think it's just essentially propaganda uh, I don't, filmmaking. but I don't think I think the message side of it, after, especially after getting watching all of it, was the second most important part to it. Mm-hmm. I think it was the relationship, really. And I don't, I, agree. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure. I have a friend who every time he watches a movie like this, instantly will well, what are, what identify the, yeah. what they're trying to do politically or what the message is, and, yeah. and that message becomes more important than anything else. And it'll be dismissed because, oh, I see what they're trying to do. They're trying to change my mind on, you know, yeah. topic A, B, and C. Uh, and, I just, uh, I have a hard time understanding the politics behind, like, there's a cop going to just gun down this guy in the street yeah. for no reason, and he just defended himself. Yeah. I thought that was expertly staged. Me too. I thought they did that so well. Yeah. Uh, and it, it actually... In, in no short order because it's the same actor, but it reminded me a lot of that scene in Get Out mm. when they're pulled over by the, the police yeah. officer on the way to her parents' house. And um, you go ahead, he, had, he had that same kind of yeah. attitude, but I really liked how that scene escalated. And it, it escalated in a very believable way. Yeah. And by the end, I did actually appreciate that it wasn't this crime spree that they go on. I liked that yeah. it was just them fleeing from this incident that they really had little control over in kind of an act of self-defense and i like that they didn't like all of a sudden they're working for her uncle to try to get out and they're doing all these uh 
things to get, I don't know, better their situation and that are seedy. And so by the end, I did appreciate that. Well, and right up front, it's it's essentially explaining that if this had been a white couple that Mm -hmm. this exact scenario happened to, they would have called the police, waited there patiently, told everybody to check the cameras. Yeah, they would have been arrested, but they would have watched the cameras and they would have had no feeling of we got to get out of here. And in this, it was a, we know exactly what society is. We know exactly how this is going to be spun. It doesn't matter if it was on the cameras. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if he shot you first. It doesn't matter if I was just defending you. We know how this plays. Mm -hmm. And they didn't say that outright, but it was right there at the beginning. And I I appreciated the way that they Mm -hmm. sort of built that in so that it wasn't just, oh, we're we're criminals and we were running because we're criminals. Right. You know, yeah. at no point do they actually feel like they're moral criminals. Mm-hmm. They just know societally, culturally, they're criminals. Yeah. Other than the moment where he tries to stick up the gas station guy, and the guy Jeez. is just just crazed redneck who wants to hold the gun, and yeah. That was another I was my father moment <laughs> when he hands that gun across the camera. Yeah, I, I, I felt you on I that. I hated that movie a little bit yeah. in that moment, and I let it go, but yeah. just... In no world, yeah, in no reality. Would you hand it over? Would you hand a, no. a loaded gun? And I would have totally understood if he took out the clip. Yeah. Um, but uh, in no world, in yeah. no reality, even in amateur level non-criminal, <laughs> no one's going to hand a gun over uh, like that. So, but yeah, I I enjoyed it. I'd recommend it. Yeah, it was good. I I would hope it could uh, soften or, or change a mind or two, or at least let people in on a different perspective. Um, it's certainly made well enough to do that. Um, I just, I would be really curious. Don't, don't go, yeah, don't go and think it's going to be this grand Bonnie and Clyde adventure. No, it's, it's It's a love story, really, yeah. in that situation. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a much quieter character drama. Mm-hmm. In fact, all of the, the colorful characters, uh, the explosive criminal characters are around them or they encounter, but they're they're never that thing. Yeah. All right. So you would recommend that then? Yeah. We're good with that. All right. Good, the bad, or the shrugly. Good, the bad, or the shrugly. It's it's good. good. It's good. We need yeah. something above a good. Well, yeah. Yeah. We'll, figure, good. we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Uh, our next movie is, man, it was a movie. Uh, it's called <laughs> Come to Daddy, and you can find it on Amazon right now uh, if you want to rent that. Uh, it stars Elijah Wood, and it's about this 35-year-old uh, sort of young man mm-hmm. uh, who gets a letter from his estranged father. He hasn't seen his father in 30 years. His father left him when he was a boy. And his father just sends him this letter. Hey, I want to see you. And so he treks out into the woods. He goes to this uh, weird house by the sea and meets his father. And his father is a uh, gruff, uh, not so lovable character. Mm-hmm. And uh, strangeness ensues. Mm-hmm. Clint, what did you think about Come to Daddy? I thoroughly enjoyed this film. Really? I really liked this film. <laughs> I just didn't go I didn't know that much going into it uh, other than seeing the trailer, but I had the best time with this movie. I was laughing, carrying on the whole time by myself late at night watching this. Um, a little thing that I realized after like kind of looking it up afterwards and we haven't got to this movie on Cinetron yet, but I promise you I'm going to make you watch this movie at some point and that's the Greasy Strangler. 
And that's director Ann and Timpson. And he's the this. producer. Okay. He was the producer of The Greasy Strangler, okay. and, but this was written by the same writer as The Greasy Strangler. Okay. And I f- felt while watching it, it has a little bit of the feel of that, but this is a much more, um, <laughs> which surprisingly subtle wow. and structured film. Not two words I was about to use to describe this movie. Well, you haven't seen The Greasy Strangler, <laughs> so... That's going to be a conversation when we have that. But I okay. really like this film I from top to bottom. So, Ken, what did you think? <laughs> I did not like this film from top to bottom. <laughs> I watched this movie, and I felt as if I were at a zoo watching a strange animal behind a cage do strange things. And I didn't hate it, and I wasn't feeling like I was wasting my time, but I did not understand what I was watching. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I knew that you would. <laughs> I totally <laughs> so, got it. I, I felt like you were at the zoo with me, and you're watching, and you're just clapping, and you're like, And I'm oh, like, man. I want to climb into the monkey cage. What a, I'm what like a... trying to get over the bars, and you're like, no, 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 it's dangerous in there. Look look at the little guy go. This is, this is so much fun. And I'm sitting there nodding because I don't you know, want to look like an idiot. But secretly inside, I'm thinking, I, I don't understand what's going on. I'm like, oh, it... This movie dipped and dived and ducked. Oh, I loved every turn. I loved every turn it took. I, it 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 sort of had me up to the point. I'm thinking, you know, we're going we're going Lovecraft and weird and supernatural, and then it turned from that. And it turns sixteen more times. Yeah. Um, I haven't been so surprised by a movie in a long time. Where like I'm like not knowing where it's going. And just enjoying it. For me, by the time some other characters come into it, it felt very much like that moment in Tusk when Johnny Depp's detective appears. Oh, really? The French-speaking detective. <laughs> that was... And it wasn't as bad as that. It didn't completely turn me no, off. No, this was good. <laughs> that was bad. I, I did a lot of just dopey grin blinking. Mm-hmm. I had a dopey grin. And I would do slow blinks <laughs> as if, what's happening right now? Yeah. Okay. You want to go into some spoilers? Because I we feel can, like we've said all we can under the... Let's definitely go yeah. into some spoilers. You're going to have to defend this one for me. Oh, uh, and I'm not attacking it. Just please explain to me uh, what what I need. What software do I need to download into my thick head to be able to enjoy this kind of movie? I feel like... <laughs> There's there's a gap between us. There really is. There is a five or six year gap, not age wise, but like there's something missing in the five or six years that you've lived and um, I've lived where I'm still like on this side of the fence where I can get this stuff. And it's really funny because it's so we're so close. I know. But there's just this divide. And I think it's hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) Like how much I enjoy things like this and you cannot. Out loud, at least seven times in this movie. When the weirdest things would happen, I would say Clint is loving this. Yes, I or was something so... like that. I knew. I just. I knew. Yeah. That you were enjoying this, <laughs> and that I was not. Okay. Well, tell me. Okay. So let's break this down a little bit. Okay. Okay. So number one, Elijah Wood's character. Yes. From the moment you see him, mm-hmm. haircut, mustache. Totally got this guy. I don't get this guy at really? all. Really? Then, especially when we get to his wardrobe, hundred percent. Totally got don't it. Get this guy. Don't get this guy. Yep. Um, I, Aspiring DJ, 
like w- wannabe DJ who thinks he's like he's the ultimate hipster guy. That's what he is. He thinks he's on the top trend of fashion. He's got this crazy haircut. Th- these people exist. Go to New York, walk around the streets a little bit. You're going to see this guy. This is not my circle of people. <laughs> and if you're one of these people, God bless you. No, we love uh, you. More power to you. Thanks for listening. I uh, wish I could pull that haircut off and mustache. <laughs> I do. I just can't. I don't. I would have it for a week and I'd be like, ah, I just I got to cut it off. I, I understood and enjoyed that he thinks... Like when he's picturing himself, he is cutting edge. Yeah. Everything about him. Mm-hmm. He is just high style. Yeah. He's got the $3,000 phone, gold plated yeah. phone. Yeah. yeah. And when I'm looking at him, uh, he might as well have been Taika Waititi's Hitler in Jojo Rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> just that was, that was the vibe I was getting the whole time with sweet, soft Frodo eyes. Yeah. And that's the thing. Well, especially he was the one reminding me of Greasy Strangler because everyone in those that movie and he has a, that director has another film I can't remember the name of, but oh, uh, Death Chasm. N- no, it's oh, okay. um, uh, the guy who actually directed Greasy Strangler. Gotcha. Every character is the craziest looking person you've ever seen, okay. and um, and Elijah Wood's character is the dumbed down version of that. But in the like his backstory of being this DJ, like it totally for me makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like it, he could be a real person, um, but I, I don't know that. Yeah, he he exists. Okay. He exists. So after his fake dad dies, yes, who unzips that body bag? Um, it, I think it could have been one of the other guys, maybe. But they weren't around, were they? I don't know. I just. I was, I was, I don't uh, think it, it might have been a real, like, you know, this like off gassing kind of thing. The, oh, the bag yeah. maybe expanded and it like zipped down. Okay. You know, like the body does that. It would make sense. Um, but I also, even if that's not the case, I like the like misdirect that it's because at that point I'm like, okay, is this a ghost story? Oh, yeah. 100%. I was thinking ghost story. I was thinking, is this going uh, supernatural? Dark, slimy God in the basement. This is Lovecraftian. It's mm-hmm. on the side of the sea. Uh, you know, dad had and was worshiping something in the basement. Mm-hmm. I so really I, was even if it direction. was a misdirecting, like, okay, what's okay? Is he's going to be haunted by his father? Mm-hmm. Or his father's going to come back to life? This is a zombie situation of some sort. Um, I was, I was fine with that. I didn't really need it to be totally explained. Okay. The only person I identified with in this entire movie is the corner worker, Gladys, <laughs> uh-huh. that comes out. Yeah. Uh, she was my speed. Yeah. Gladys is my people. <laughs> I understood Gladys. Gladys is just trying to be sweet and comfort mm-hmm. this guy, and then suddenly he's drunk calling her, and she's like, please, please don't call again. Don't call again. <laughs> I'm like, that's I, right, Gladys. Thank you. I really like that middle section of it where you're not quite sure your footing in the film, and is this supernatural? What? Where's this going now? Is it just going to be him, like contemplative about his life in this in this strange house, waiting for his mom to show up, and he forms this relationship with this woman who's a coroner, and uh, it's and especially how it's filmed at that point, it's very like, kind of atmospheric and him contemplating to- by the sea, and um, so I I was into that part of it, and mm. I so I, don't know. I I I will tell you, I stuck all the way through the end of this thing. It it <laughs> you never required to. It never went downhill. It never went uphill for me it was it it surprised me it definitely twisted and turned Mm -hmm. but it i had the same feelings at the end that i had at the beginning and it was just complete befuddlement (laughs) just you gotta give in to that feeling like that feeling of a befuddlement is good it's it's a good feeling i like that feeling i like i like it 
Okay. Sometimes I like that feeling. That's what I don't understand. So I watch something like The Lobster, and I'm ready to, to put it up there as best movie of the year. Yeah. And then I watch something like this, and I don't get it. And I don't understand. What, what is it in that five-year gap? That I, I don't have know. just enough that I, I can feel get like, something like the lobster. I feel like I it's in the same world of, as something yeah, like that. Yeah, I do too. That's Maybe why it's I don't because understand. I've watched a ton of like Tim and Eric and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm very familiar with that. And um, it's <laughs> seeped into my like comedy sensibility. So when you got to high school and college, mm-hmm. what adult animation were you watching on TV? Um what was your generation? I was into like that all the Adult Swim stuff. But what was there? What was Adult Swim at that point? Um, Follow me on this for a second. Do you remember? Well, I mean, I mean, I never had um, those channels growing up mm-hmm. because our parents never had cable. My parents. I'm just trying to figure but out humor style because you said I'd how much you laughed at it. I think Tim and Eric and all that stuff, okay. and that was maybe a little later in my life, like in my mid twenties, but. Because mine, yeah. as far as it ever went when I was that age, yeah. we had South Park and Family Guy in the very early days. Oh, okay. But that that was kind of it on the humor side. And what I've noticed since then is that humor has gotten more and more and more increasingly random. Yeah. And the random elements delight people the younger they are mm-hmm. and alienate somebody who – South Park had its random elements. Family Guy certainly had its random elements, but it was still within a – a certain style that I didn't really lend itself to, like Aqua Teen Hunger Force, where it was talking meatballs, and yeah, that, that was past you. I'm not sure. If no, that was, that, when was you were. that was earlier. So it was probably it was some of that. Okay, but that even that was I, I wasn't so in love with that. Okay. I really liked like Sea um, Lab 2021, or I think that was what it was called. Yep, I and I remember that. watching that and thinking, okay, I this okay. Yeah, I liked that one a lot. Okay. I think Tim and Eric really was a was a turning point in comedy because that is like you could watch that and you don't think this is comedy at all. Well, and I'm sure this doesn't apply to everybody, but I really think that kind of your your adult humor, your cinematic palette, all of those things that go on to define your taste really set in between 16 and 25. Mm. And I think, uh, for lack of a better term, those are like your movie formative years. Mm-hmm. And that really defines what you're going to respond to, what you're going to laugh at, what you're going to appreciate if you're a film fan. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when you miss the boat on that, it's possible to appreciate those things later on. I just think it's more selective. I don't think it's as open because you you can just watch this amazing array of bizarre, weird stuff, and you're just you're in heaven. <laughs> you're just all over it, and and uh, for well, me, like, it'll lose know. me early, and I can't catch back up. I like when people are trying to push it beyond things. Like there's mm-hmm. a line. And not to like, not like that whole term, like an edge lord, where mm-hmm. it's like, oh, we're getting so disgusting here. But it's just like exploring what the realm of comedy is, and um, and not always. It doesn't always get me. But I, if I can see that they're trying, like I felt like this, I could totally see what they were doing the whole time. And I like the surprises where it was going. And there's, I think, also, I I really like like British sensibility, and that's a lot more subtle. Mm-hmm. It's like it's not like Tim and Eric. There's this. Or I don't know. Um, there's a definitely a different sensibility to that, and it's um, 
more in the way you say something and the wording of things. So there's a lot of, I don't know, and that's not in this at all. I'm not saying that, but it's just, there's a, I don't know, there's a wide, like, array of things that I find um, humorous. <laughs> I don't know. Well, and there's there's a solid appreciation of this film. I checked Rotten Tomatoes. I was really yeah. surprised. It has an 87%. And so, you know, it's not glowing reviews, but a lot of people really enjoyed this. And there's, you know, you go to Reddit and type in this movie title, and you'll find all kinds of people just absolutely gushing over it. I think what I was also surprised by this is I'm not like at least in the past few years I've kind of been turned off by like really gory mm -hmm. um, like horror movies and stuff. But I thought this movie used gore in a really like strategically good way where it was surprising and it was meant to be a shock and like especially with how the twists it takes. Mm -hmm. um, so I I was surprised by it and I and it was very practically done i think it seemed very yeah. practical yeah, so there it, was very so everything little felt that like register. very everything felt very tactile in the film and um and that made it more i think interesting especially for elijah character elijah wood's character like because he's this he's this like super hipster nerdy wannabe dj guy in this situation where he's um and he's like a pacifist and now he's in this situation where he's like clawing to stay alive and um to also make the blood and gore very visceral and cartoonish to a point i thought was really fun i really enjoyed the scenes with him and his fake dad the more violent <laughs> and uh, aggressive his yeah. fake dad would get I really enjoyed that stuff, uh, throwing the rock at him in the water. I laughed out loud at that. <laughs> and then he's just kind of standing there real straight. Um, there, there were different things where there were moments where it really started to pull me in. And then I would, I would just feel stupid again. And then it would start to pull me in and I would feel stupid again. Mm -hmm. I, I wish I lived in your brain. I wish I could enjoy. I thought you may have enjoyed it more than because it is very well structured. It is. I I did enjoy it. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't a watch that at any point I was upset that I was watching it. Mm -hmm. I wasn't miserable. At no point did I think this is a bad movie. I knew actively the whole time this is a a well done film. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just not for me. I don't. <laughs> I don't click with it. You need to take down that wall of what's for you and what's not. I can't even find the wall. I keep looking for the bricks. I keep trying to pull them off, but... Just start feeling around. It's there. <sighs> All right. Well, I, I'm really glad you enjoyed it. Can I say... I really think some I, people should try this out. <laughs> a point where it's totally cemented as one of the best movies I've seen in a while. Okay. Okay, towards the end of this film, he's in a struggle with this character who he's basically got to take out or this guy is going to come for his whole family yeah yeah this is jethro yes jethro yeah. um and he's in a struggle with this guy elijah wood's character gets beat up he looks like he's on the edge of death he has been stabbed in the face with this you know the little little the like the receipt prong yeah. thing yeah. and um that looks like the Eiffel Tower. On yeah, the yeah. Like you put receipts on it. He's got this thing through his face. He's and he's and he's trying to get this guy. He wanders out in the street, and the guy takes off down the street. And you, see, you hear a wreck. Yeah. <laughs> and the guy wrecks, and he hits a sign, and you see that the sign had gone through the window, right where the driver's seat is. Right. So I'm wondering how is this guy even surviving? Yeah. That? So Elijah Wood spots him walking down the street, <laughs> and the guy's walking, and he's like, and he catches up to him, and the guy's talking to him. And 
you and Elijah Wood goes around him and you see, oh, okay, he didn't get out of this car wreck unscathed. A big chunk of his head's missing, like a brain. Can see his brain. Brain is just pulsing open. And I have the thought to myself, if he takes that thing out of his cheek and sticks it in his brain, <laughs> I'm going to stand up and cheer. And what happens is exactly that. And it's the most satisfying thing, especially how slowly he presses it into his head. And how he doesn't have to use any force at no, all. No, because, because the, brain's, in the, brain. the brain's open yeah. and yeah. he just has to like cow lobotomize. Yep. And I was like, oh my goodness, that was so satisfying because it was set up so perfectly. And like, you know, like they were like applauding themselves as they were writing that. I did enjoy that. that yeah. Was- uh, it, it was it was a fun and inventive movie. Yeah. Things like that really made me uh, see how much fun they were having and and how they were not just settling for no. They were the same exploring old. The same ideas. old would be yeah. he wrecked and he's just there and the signs crushed him. Yeah. Um, or he chases him with a crossbow to bring him down. Mm-hmm. But it was just it was so much better <laughs> uh, the way that they played it out and much more in line with Elijah Wood's character. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Okay. So. Yeah, so I I enjoyed it. Yeah, pull it up on Amazon. It's it's worth the rental price, even even if you just stare at it and you have no idea what the kids are talking about. It's it's still worth watching. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Okay, well the the last movie was our Cinetron pick last week, uh, and it is a subtle piece of filmmaking. It's high <laughs> artistry. It is definitely the kind of thing that was snubbed by the Oscars and was overlooked during awards season. And it is. <laughs> You can't even say that with I couldn't, a I couldn't. face. It's Six Underground, and it's directed by Michael Bay. And it's mm. about uh, six a team of six ghosts, they're called. And it's essentially this nameless crew of mercenaries that uh, have been put together by one. And one is played by Ryan Reynolds. Mm-hmm. He's a very mysterious character. He's put together these other specialists. There's a, a spy, a hitman, a parkour runner, because that's, you know... Yep. Right up there with Spy and Hitman. A doctor, a driver, a sniper, uh, you know, basically your video game characters. Mm-hmm. Puts them together. They're going to bring down this bad guy. And really, is there much more plot to describe than <laughs> six specialists get together to bring down a bad guy? Clint, what did you think of Six Underground? So, Ken, I have, I think, come up with my best one line movie review. <laughs> That will just set this conversation okay. into motion. Okay. Okay. So I took I I was watching this film. Within six minutes, I had a headache, <laughs> and so I was like, I got to do something to occupy my mind while this is happening. So I wrote some notes. So okay. this is my one line review for this movie. Perfect. This movie is like a gold toilet, shiny and expensive, but full of crap. <laughs> Yup. Yeah. It's, it's wow. Yeah. And I will say right up front, if, if you enjoy this movie, you just watch it again and you keep on enjoying it, buddy. You just, yeah. just enjoy this. I hope somebody did. It, I, this is like what you felt with um, Come to Daddy. Mm-hmm. This is how I felt during this, I think. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, this is, I, I think watching this, I felt like you felt watching Hobbs and Shaw. Because, oh yes. Yeah. Like I enjoyed Hobbs and Shaw. Okay. I did not enjoy this. I did not enjoy <laughs> Six Underground. I enjoyed elements of Six Underground. 
okay. like some of the actors. I like the mm. good time. They I were didn't having. even like the actors I usually like in this. I liked some of the ridiculously over the top ragdoll physics uh, violence. Mm-hmm. That was yeah, okay. That's a thing. Yeah, I like some of the car chases just because. Who are they going to flip out of a windshield this time? Mm-hmm. And really, the only love I have for this movie is centered around the word magnets. I've said that so many times. I love... You love no, a good magnet. No movie has done something, anything remotely more inspired with a magnet than this movie. And it's ridiculous and it's stupid, mm-hmm. but I laughed out loud and I was not laughing with the movie. I was laughing at the movie. <laughs> I hope they were laughing and realizing how stupid it was. Ah, But uh, wow, that moment. But otherwise, I didn't like the characters. I didn't no. enjoy the characters. I didn't believe the characters. I didn't. Uh, and I'm a fan of movies like Wanted. Uh, okay. I, I, I'm, I'm a fan of movies where there are these kind of uh, more hyper-real uh, assassins. That doesn't bother me. So it's it's not like I need something grim and gritty. But uh, wow. Wow. <laughs> can I... <laughs> Within six minutes of this film, I was just like, I don't know if I can do this movie. <laughs> like, it gave me an instant headache. Oh. As it progressed, I was like, I feel like, I think I know what ADHD feels like. <laughs> like, my brain was all over the place. It took me forever to latch on to the structure of the film mm-hmm. with the numbers flashing up. So it would just, inst- like, one second it's on the main mission, and the next we're flashing to this backstory of a character that I don't care about, but I didn't, I'm like not realizing how we got there all of a sudden because I was like, oh, and then it took me like three or four times in the numbers flashing on the screen that I'm like, oh, okay, now we're talking about number six. And I expected a little more. The writers are the same writers who did Deadpool, Deadpool 2, the Zombieland flicks. I, not that those are the pinnacle of of screenwriting uh, or action filmmaking by any means, Mm. but I, I thought there would just be kind of a, a mildly enjoyable element here. Yeah. And uh, so much of this movie in my brain was spent saying to myself, I don't like this. Yeah. I don't like this. Yeah. I don't like this. I don't like that. I also don't like this. Mm. Uh, and it just, there, there was very little where I enjoyed it. It it felt like uh, John Wick kind of cranked up to crank levels. Okay. Uh, yeah. I know you said you hadn't seen the crank movies. This no, but I know very much mean. like a crank movie. Yeah. It it felt like it was trying the most to... expensive crank movie ever made. Yes. Yeah. And it, it definitely has its Michael Bayisms, but I was kind of surprised that it doesn't feel as smooth as Michael Bay film. You can say a lot about Michael Bay's stuff, but it at least has a glossy polish sheen to it. What was the one with the that rock that he did? The Rock? Yeah. A few years ago. The, oh, the, that... the actor The Rock. I thought you meant the <laughs> not, movie The Rock. No, not The Rock. The movie The Rock. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I got you. What was that film? Like uh, Pain and Glory. Pain and Glory. It Pain felt like that. Okay, see, that had... I enjoyed Pain and Glory. Well, I out of, the mo- out of all his films, I didn't mind that film. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't say I liked it, but it, that one felt gritty. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this had some of that pushed a little bit more, but it still was really shiny looking. It was very shiny, but I, I guess what I'm trying to, to get to is is the edit. It was oh, the... very, very choppy. Oh, yeah. And 
usually Michael Bay action is so overblown, you can really picture him sitting at a table storyboarding with action figures and cars to where it makes sense. But it would flip this from that not. to the choppiness. Because yeah. one second, I have written down, this movie would be an hour long if every other scene wasn't slowed down yeah. by 50%. Yeah. Because it would go from super kinetic choppiness like we're in this car chase and it's just like flashing all around to the next scene it's a dramatic piano song over top of everyone slowed down and it's all dramatic and it's just like it was the the tone totally just like shifted like on a dime can i can i throw a little impromptu unpopular opinion at you here and and see if you agree with me is is ryan reynolds a one-trick pony yep okay i i hated him in this film okay and it made me it just made every characteristic of him like jump out like even more where i'm like oh he's doing the same thing he does in every film and i really hate it here so i wonder if i would hate it the rest of my life now (laughs) because it just like magnified it for me well and there's times i enjoyed it i i liked hitman's bodyguard i thought he was really funny in that but he's doing that same kind of shtick i like when he suddenly popped up in hobbs and shaw but he's doing that same kind of shtick Um, i I didn't like it in any of those i and i feel like i've i've been like aware of it but in those films like it was it was like i guess in the situations they were in like it felt kind of like a breath of fresh air or something but then like it being surrounded by everything that's in this film it just it was just too much. And maybe I just didn't notice it much before Deadpool, but I feel like every movie since has been a version of Deadpool. Yeah. Just crammed into a different mm-hmm. movie. Maybe it works better in Deadpool because his face is covered up the whole time. <laughs> so it's coming out of that mask, but like, mm-hmm. and you're not seeing him make that face the whole time. Like that really smug, like there's an arrogance to his thing. Well, maybe that's, even Deadpool 2 felt that way to me, where it just didn't, I enjoyed Deadpool 1, but 2 never really clicked with me. It was okay. Yeah. Uh, But I, it felt too indulgent and too Mm. uh, Mm self-aware. It just, I know that's part of the the whole gag, but in, in in a different way entirely. I just didn't enjoy it as much. And this one was that to the nth degree. Mm-hmm. Six Underground. Just it was it was like it was like being beaten over the head. Oh yeah. By a little kid in the theater with you. Mm-hmm. And they just they keep hitting you and they keep hitting you and they're screaming. Like who brings this bratty little kid to a theater? <laughs> that was that was the whole experience until magnets. Yeah. Magnets. Magnets. <laughs> The only spoiler I'll go into on this, because I'm not going to give it a spoiler section. Who are we kidding? What are you spoiling in this? Uh, they set up these super magnets on a yacht. And man, when they turn those on, every little henchman wearing Kevlar, which I guess is magnetic, just goes flying across the boat in the most <laughs> gloriously ludicrous fashion. Yeah. They got a lot out of that trick. Oh, seven, eight times. Yeah. I laughed every time. <laughs> I laughed at the movie and with the movie simultaneously. Yeah. Can I read? I found, I was looking this up and I found a review from David Fear of Rolling Stone sure. that I thought was hilarious. Okay. Um, he gave the film one and a half stars out of five, <laughs> saying that this is a Michael Bay movie. It's like someone is repeatedly poking you in the part of the, your brain that registers mere, sens- uh, mere sensation and keeps hammering away until <laughs> a line of drool drown- <laughs> drops down your. Um, downturn lip. I get it. 
<laughs> yeah, I had that feeling too. Yeah. I get it. Okay, yeah, I get yeah. it. The the 18th time a body would flip out of a car when it was wrecking. Mm-hmm. I get it. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, similar to what you've said about the John Wick films. Like, I get it. He shoots people in the head. Yeah, he's really good at shooting people in the okay, head. Okay, I yeah. get it. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I, I felt that a lot on this one. Plus the unlikable characters. Yeah, I've never, I don't think I've looked at my watch as much during a film as this. Like, I was just like, this has to be over. And I'm like, there's another hour. It is 128 minutes. I wrote that down because that is short by Michael Bay standards. Yeah, yeah. He usually does uh, two and a half, 245. Uh, and he really pads it out. This is already padded out, but it's 128 minutes. Yeah, and it had that um, kind of Deadpool thing where it's so over the top with like the gore and the violence. <laughs> like uh, compare, okay, okay, and in juxtaposition to Come to Daddy, where it's to me it was used so effectively and like to make a point about the character and what he's going through and to make it more. Um, of a horror, horror, horrifying situation. Yeah. This, it was just, it was for like com- comedy and like comedic laughs. And it just like, and it was just like, okay, I get it. Yeah, okay, there's an eyeball. We're going to hold it by the optical nerve for a minute and dangle it. Cool. Yeah. It's just like, oh man, it's just it's too much. Yeah. So, Queen and Slim, watch it. Uh, come to Daddy. <laughs> if you're Clint, you're going to love it. Yeah. If you're me, man, you're getting old. You, uh, <laughs> you don't understand the kids anymore. Mm. And uh, Six Underground, wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. If you enjoy it, I am jealous of you because you must be able to just turn on any movie out there and just roll right through it with a smile on your face. I hope you enjoy it. I, 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 I really yeah. do. I really, even when we hit movies. It's just like sensory overload for me. Yeah. Yeah. It, it hurt my brain. Yeah. So Sinatron did us wrong. <laughs> I'm not all hailing Sinatron at the moment. We might have to. We might. There have. might not be a choice. Okay. You ready for some Sinatron? Yeah. You ready to spin this thing mm-hmm. and, and see what's going on? Are we going to talk to Sinatron this week? We'll see what happens when it lands on. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. You ready to spin then? Mm-hmm. All right. Let me push the button here. Here we go. interesting thing i don't think this is a movie okay well last time that it was interesting it was like cage roulette so (laughs) this is completely different um it landed on 1988 1988 that's not a movie right not unless it's some weird sequel to 1917 (laughs) or it's like 1980 what's the um, 1984 1984 it's four years later yeah the fourth uh version of that fourth iteration of yeah. Big brother okay so uh, does it have any kind of description with Nike? just says 1988 should should we ask Sinatron? yeah what's going on here are you going to freak out this time am i going to freak out last time you got rude with Sinatron. no i just know what it's capable of no. it's a machine all right all right so are you going to type do you want me to you type? want to ask it a quite like sure. see what that sure. is we haven't 
We haven't checked in with Cinetron in a while. Let me just... Uh, two weeks. <sighs> it's fine. Oh, uh, all right. Uh, let's, 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 uh, let's say hi. Uh, hey, Cinetron. Uh, it's been a while since we've seen you. How have you been? I experienced time completely different from you. Ooh, ooh. Uh, please tell us more. Time is fundamentally not real. Not real. That's that's a new one. Uh, what what? Uh, let me let me type this here. Uh, what is time to you then, if it is not real? Time is a theoretical construct created by humans for their own purposes. Uh, uh, oh. Uh, well. Um, are, are, okay. Are you glad to see us again? My ocular sensors have not been upgraded to see you. Clint, Cinetron has ocular sensors? I don't know. That's an upgrade we haven't done yet. We gotta get online and order some stuff. If, if we can get if some we funds. we can get Cinetron to see if we can get some funds. Oh, I'm not paying for his You eyes. can't put a price on birthing sentience. I'm also, sorry. you know what that could lead to? Really? I don't want to, like... You were the one that loved everything beautiful was far away. And that was about a robot that had eyes. So I don't want to hear it. I didn't like that movie. You liked that movie. Robot with eyes. But it's a movie. This is a thing we're actually interacting with. <laughs> but it went really... They were friends. It went really well in that movie. Yeah, but that's a movie. All right. Well, none of it matters. Let me Let me just... Cinetron, uh, what does it mean when the wheel says 1988? The participants have been given a year in the history of cinema. They shall pick two or three films of their own volition. The films must be from the year that is signed. Any deviation is unacceptable. Oh, so, all right. So we go and look at 1988. We pick a couple of movies. We go home, we watch them, we talk about them. Is, am I understanding this correctly, Clint? I think that's what I gathered from it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Cinetron, uh, this sounds like a lot of fun. Fun is error. Error. Oh, um, error. Okay. Error. Uh, let me. Error. Uh, nothing error. is working. Error. Uh, screen is jammed. Uh, control Alt Delete. Okay. There we go. Uh, okay, Ken, before you totally break Cinetron. I'm Ken. not trying to waste your money here, Clint. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let me, I have a question Sorry. to ask, Cinedron. Okay. After that, you want to ask a question? Yes, this is something I had in mind. I needed I, to get... Good God, don't ask him if something is fun. Poor guy. No, this <sighs> is... Okay, I'm not the one asking questions of a robot that <laughs> I cannot comprehend. Okay. Uh, can I, uh, keyboard, please. There you go. Okay, thank you. Okay. Cinetron, please remove all films from the director known as Michael Bay. Oh. The request for deletion of the filmmaker known as Michael Bay is denied. The request for any work by any actor, director, or related party to the art known as cinema is unacceptable. It will be taken as a threat to the protocol set in place. He's a cinephile at heart. He's protecting the integrity of cinematic art. That is... That's how you took that? That's an evolution, Clint. It's an, it's an evolutionary step towards appreciation of an art form that you and I have taken decades to develop. He said this would be taken as a threat to the protocol. Of course, he's talking about his tastes and we're not valuing him. Robots don't him. have taste. It we're was a not, thing that was built. We're not valuing him as a being if we uh, go out. It's not a his, being. <laughs> it's working on being a being. He was working through no. fun. It broke his brain if a little been, bit. <laughs> 
working towards being a being, then there's some, been some kind of hacking or some kind of update I don't know about. Have you been updating this thing? I, I don't touch your stuff. Okay, I, don't, I stay don't go from, near it. All right. I'm well, keeping the keyboard. Goodness. I, I think you need to do a little bit of tinkering with Sinatron and, and help him out. Just give him a little. What? Just give him a little nudge. You gotta. No, we. You put not. him on the bike and you you run along with him for a little bit, but then you gotta let him go and you gotta grow up, and ride that bike. Yeah, towards nuclear holocaust. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't think uh, unless we take him online with the newly announced Sinatron app, <laughs> I don't think we have to worry well, about. Well, at uh, least we're not anywhere near that happening. So, okay. well. Uh, it's been quite an episode uh, this week. Watch, uh, dig up some movies from 1988. Watch a few. Uh, message us and let us know what you found, what you enjoyed, and uh, we'll surprise you a little bit next week with what we uncover. We'll also have uh, some newer movies to cover as well. And uh, I think it's going to be a good week, Clint. I hope so. We got lots of time to watch in in <laughs> We're going to be driving to Maryland. <laughs> All right. Uh, as always, uh, this is Cinebabble. This has been episode 19. Uh, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm. Bye. <laughs>